Well, if we go all the way up to the top of the snowpack, we're looking at 34 inches. And if we're looking at to the top of the ice and slush, we're looking at 28 inches. Oh my. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experience were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to episode 65 of the WTIP Boundary Wars podcast. It's winter. <laughs> Wait, no, it's it's canoe season. Wait, what? Where? Well, this weekend, the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness permit season begins. The permit season does, but not the paddling season. That's as indicated by... 34 inches of frozen water on top of this here lake in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. Matthew, we stood on this lake, this very lake, pretty much in this exact spot or close to it on Thanksgiving, the start of winter, ripping holes anywhere you wanted to pop one through five inches of clear good ice, six maybe, and uh, that was in November, certainly, of course, Thanksgiving. Now here we are on the cusp of May. Well, it was over a year ago that we were uh, brainstorming our peanut butter patch, <laughs> paddling on open water. On this very lake. Right here. And, and it was warm, and it was liquid, as far as the eye could see. Let's put this in context for what's coming up. For our own personal stuff, for listeners of the podcast, people who have a fishing opener trip planned or early season trip, uh, May 2022. Because, as Matthew described, as you heard with the auger, 28 solid inches of ice, 34 when you count the slush snow on top. That's all. The distance between us and open water is 34 inches. The opener is two weeks away, essentially from this time the episode is out, to less than two weeks, actually. So the 14th of May is the fishing opener in Minnesota. We've got a trip planned for that weekend. We're now understanding exactly. It's one thing to see it on a social media post or something, one of the outfitters posting, hey, here's how much there is. You know, but you're in Grand Marais, so you get a different kind of perception on the conditions. To be out here standing on this frozen lake. Matthew, this is winter. This isn't like... This feels. This is more winter than when we were here on Thanksgiving, by far. What's that mean for our canoe trip? 
speculations run the gamut. Some local folks have promised there'll be open water, and some have guaranteed uh, ice into June. So personally, as I look at the forecast, and I don't even see 50-degree temps in the extended, I'm not optimistic, Joe. How about yourself? I'm not optimistic. I've been saying now for a while, about two weeks, I want it to stay cold and we'll go ice fishing if we can. That now seems more realistic than putting a canoe and trolling Rapalas or working the slip bobber. I think ice fishing is a more realistic possibility. I I would not attempt to dispute that claim at this point. I say that with all degree of safety in mind. Uh, this These conditions can change. Uh, we talked with the Grand Marais Fisheries Supervisor about ice fishing. If it's legal to do on the opener, it is. But the ice is going to be bad. Right. That's the biggest concern. Is The question really is what's the safest way to approach the conditions? Uh, I talked to another old-timer a couple of days ago who said that he was out one opener weekend where they pulled the canoe for a mile before they got on open water. Possible, yes. The safety risks, the risks involved in that with water temperatures could be catastrophic. So what do you do? It's day by day. Um, we're just going to keep you informed the best we can. I mean, we did some stuff with the fires where we were keeping people updated. Maybe we'll kind of start doing something similar. Or we'll just see. Certainly we'll be back in a couple of weeks and share what happens on the opener. Either way, we're going to share a trip report. But this is this is ice fishing. This is winter. I mean, the portage is just stacked in snow. You fell up to way above upper thigh area. Mm-hmm. Almost to my groin. <laughs> right, yeah. On the portage, you know, trying to carry a canoe on that would be dreadful. Uh, this is This is definitely winter, and so we're just going with it. What I love about it, Joe, is that it just reminds me we're just not in charge of anything. The 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 bigger living organism that is this earth is going by its own rules, and we are at its mercy, and we'll just have to see. You know, we're going to hear actually some of that in today's episode that dives into the theme, as does one of the favorite lakes for many, many people that we've talked to on the podcast that we know in the paddling community. Mighty Sag, down at the end of the Gunflint Trail, Saginaga Lake, Matthew. You know, I've been quite turned around in that lake before. Uh, I'm excited to hear what what we're going to learn about it today. It's it's a a love story. What? <laughs> you know, like butterflies and oogly googlies. Uh, actually, yes, Ooh. but uh, it ties into what you just said about ultimately, even through that lens, we're not in control. Lake Saginaga at the end of the Gunflint Trail is an easy place to get lost. Sag, as the lake is often called, is both the deepest and the largest lake in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. It's 280 feet deep in certain pockets and is spread across nearly 14,000 acres. There's also a seemingly endless collection of islands decorating the lake as it stretches from the end of the trail all the way into Canada, including into Cache Bay, the entrance to Quetico Provincial Park. Andy McDonald is a co-owner of Tuscarora Canoe Outfitters near the end of the Gunflint. 
He knows the challenges of paddling SAG firsthand and for the many groups they outfit on the lake every season. Talking with, with people about SAG, I got, you know, seagull's bad, SAG is worse. About like, you know, we've been routing people, and, you know, people are, let's say, they're coming out of Otter Track into SAG. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, you're going to come around American Point, aiming for these islands, and like, just, you're going to get turned around. You know what? Just don't worry about it. Like, keep the map in front of you. You're going to be questioning where you are a little bit. Just don't go landmark to landmark. So go to the campsite there, go to the campsite there. You're working your way across the lake. You might get turned around. Don't worry about it mm-hmm. because people will, people can And while SAG might be challenging to navigate for even the most experienced paddlers, sometimes getting turned around can lead to magical experiences. Just ask Nicole Erickson and Michael Kelly about this. So Nicole, um, she likes talking and making friends, and she was the duff that day, and she was handed the map just to hold it, right? She, she didn't know she was supposed to be guiding the group. So whenever people were asking, hey, Nicole, where do we go next? She'd just point to a random direction because that was the prettiest direction to her. But the whole time she wasn't looking at the map. And then when they asked her about the map, she had it upside down in her hands. <laughs> so kind of a fun, fun thing. They got lost. They couldn't find their, their, their campsite. Um, and then we happened to run into them. It was right before a big storm happened. So we were hurrying back from um, wherever we were on our excursion that day to get back to our campsite before the storm hit us. That's Michael. He's a Minnesotan from Duluth in his mid-20s. Michael and Nicole got engaged on SAG's Horseshoe Island in 2021. It's the place where they crossed paths several years earlier while on a school field trip to the Boundary Waters. Michael still lights up as he shares the story of how they first met. It was love at first sight for me. Um, I knew when I laid eyes on Nicole that she was going to be the one. Um, And now we're going to get married in three months. So (laughs) I was right (laughs) for once. Um, Yeah, so we met at college, St. Ben St. John's University. The whole group, 100 kids of us met. So not Nicole and I, but 100 college freshmen met at St. Ben St. John's uh, the week before. We went through some training. We we met up with groups. So I was in a guys group. Nicole was in a girls group. And then we I first laid eyes on Nicole on the bus ride up to the Boundary Waters. Um, she was in the front seat wearing a white St. Ben's sweatshirt. And I was sitting in the in the back of the bus with a broken AC vent. So I was shoving my socks up in the AC vent to keep myself warm. And I saw her and I was like, the next stop, the next stop, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say, hi, I'm going to sit by her. The next stop was in Duluth, actually, West Duluth. And we stopped at the gas station. Um, I recall I got a, I, the memory is so clear because I was so scared. I got a, a, a bacon cheeseburger <laughs> and I sat on the curb next to her, but I was so, so nervous that I didn't say hi. I just sat there and ate my cheeseburger. Um, she had no idea what was going on in my head. Um, and we didn't actually cross paths until Nicole got lost (laughs) in the Boundary Waters. This all happened in August 2016, just ahead of Michael and Nicole's freshman year at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University. The trip ended without any more significant events other than it was a great Boundary Waters experience, and the two and the rest of the group returned to school and resumed classes. Later that fall, Michael and Nicole started dating, and they have been ever since. In June 2021, Michael and Nicole returned to the Boundary Waters for the first time since that class trip years before. This time they came with a group of friends and Michael had a serious intention on the return expedition. You know, I, I, I first 
thought, hey, it would be fun to go up to the Boundary Waters and um, just hang out with friends. This is maybe the last time that we'll all be together. We just all graduated college. Um, and I kind of want to make it a, a full circle here. So I, I for sure go back there with some of my college friends uh, before we all had our own way. And that's true. A lot of our, our friends have now dispersed throughout the United States and no longer are, reside here in Minnesota. So I'm glad I did that. And at the same time, I was ready to propose nickel. Um, I'm in medical school now. I have one summer left and it's this coming summer. I have eight weeks off and then I go straight through until I'm a doctor and I don't have big breaks like that. So I kind of planned it out where there would be a year long engagement, get ready for the, the wedding and all the nuances that go along with that. And I thought, okay, well, I need to propose by the end of the summer in 2021. And so that's what I did. And I paired it up with the Boundary Waters. I said, this is going to be perfect. I'm going to bring her back to the same island and propose on the same rock that we we jumped off of and were swimming. Um, and that's what I did. And so I ordered this uh, special ring box from Etsy. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, a pretty ring box. It's made out of pine wood and it turns open and you have moss in there and then it's kind of burned with pine trees on top and uh, the date that um, we hope to get married. We already planned out where we want to get married at this point. She knew I was going to propose at some point. It's just when. <laughs> so uh, we got up to Trails End, we camped there one night, brought um, some of my groomsmen and my best men uh, that we were planning to ask once I proposed and some of Nicole's bridesmaids were up there and they knew the secret. It was, it was so hard for me to keep, but they, they knew and they, they were helping me keep the secret. I was keeping this big clunky box, you know, in my, my backpack. And we decided, I, I woke up, um, uh, I don't know, like four or five in the morning the day I was going to propose. I just couldn't sleep. I was, I was so excited. And I got everyone on the water right away. As soon as the light hit the water, I was like, okay, we got to get up to this island because if someone else has it, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is where I want to propose. I didn't have a plan B. <laughs> so we hustled. We hustled so hard to get up to Horseshoe Island as you know, fast as we possibly could. And everyone understood and sympathized with me, except Nicole. She's just like, guys, this is supposed to be fun. Let's just relax. Let's just, just enjoy our time. We don't need to go up to Horseshoe, Michael. It's fine. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. We have to. We have to get to Horseshoe. And so I was panicking. Um, but we made it. And we went around the corner of Horseshoe Island and we saw the campsite wasn't being used and man, my, my heart was pounding. And so we got onto the island ready to set up camp. And I just, I told everyone, you know, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm doing it right now. My plan was to do it later in the evening so we could celebrate, have a bonfire, you know, get some music going and just enjoy ourselves. But I, I needed to do it, you know, eight in the morning, nine in the morning, whenever we got to the island. Um, and so I said, guys, let's, let's set up camp here. Let's, um, Nicole and I will work on the setting up the tent back in the woods. If you guys want to collect some wood. And so we set up the, the, the tent and we came back out and all our friends were gone. And Nicole's like, well, where, where did everyone go? Um, I, said, I don't know, but here's a, here's a great, um, spot to set up our hammocks. Since, since we're done with the tent now, let's set up some hammocks. And before, uh, we went to the hammock spot. I set the ring down there and um, I was able to bring her to the edge of the cliff. And she was all confused and had no idea. There's no trees there to set up a hammock. Um, and I, I grabbed uh, the, the box and I got down on one knee and 
stumbled over my words, even though I practiced them, I don't know how many times. And she started crying and she knew right away. And she said, yes. And I was so excited. Um, and we just sat there and, and just, we were so happy, um, kind of full circle. And my friends were off in the distance around the corner. I could see uh, Jack Collarin, who was going to be one of my best men. Uh, he was sneaking around the collar and he was, you know, up with his paddle, down with the paddle, it was good. And gave him a thumbs up and they all started cheering and come, came around the corner and screaming and yelling and came back to give us hugs and celebrate. Nicole had an idea that eventually Michael was going to propose, though she didn't know if it would be on this trip or not. There were also some parameters around the situation. Yeah, so one of the things that I had really wanted, or like the only requirement that I told Michael is I wanted the proposal to be private and like I wanted it to, you know, just be us. So Michael had told everyone to look for firewood, but that was kind of the keyword for all of them to get into the canoes and totally leave the island and, you know, kind of hide around the corner. And so it was nice to have that private, I don't know, it's just a very sentimental and meaningful thing for the proposal to happen. And so it was nice to have it be private, but then have all of our friends come back and celebrate after. Michael and Nicole have their wedding set for this summer in July 2022. It won't be on Horseshoe Island or near the Boundary Waters. In fact, it'll be in the Twin Cities metro area. However, they hope to get back sometime soon. Yeah, I I definitely think so. Um, One, I mean, it was pretty sure it was like my first time ever in the Boundary Waters. I met Michael and then... Now, the last time I've ever been in the Boundary Waters, I've been proposed to, so it definitely holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, and it's always been a special place for me, too. It's just wonderful to get up there and just the the fresh lakes. I love loons, the call of loons, crackling fire, crickets at night. You know, it just, it brings so much peace to my life. So now adding in meeting the, you know, the love of my life up there, I I just, I can't ask for much more. (laughs) As it goes with all the islands and just because of its sheer size, Sag is indeed an easy place to get lost. Most of these stories don't end with a romantic twist of fate in the way it did for Michael and Nicole. It can take some groups hours of frustrating time spent on the water trying to recalibrate where they are on Mighty Sag. Other groups get windbound and some capsize. As we've heard on previous episodes of the podcast from the late Janice Matichuk, the longtime ranger serving at Cache Bay, SAG is not a place to take lightheartedly. And it's never calm weather, never. They don't capsize in calm weather. Mm-hmm. So I'm already compromised myself in the motorboat, and you have to boat smart, and it's all math. Which way do I point the bow? Make sure the water doesn't come in over the transom to sink me. And then you're being, everybody's being sloshed around out there, and uh, you've, you've got to use your head. And it's lightning quit thinking. You've got to think fast. And I've noticed when I'm dealing with emergency situations, I just calm down. I'm methodical. I just boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom. You do this, you do this, you do this. Can't do that in my personal life. But I'm really good in my work life with issues. And I've had severely hypothermic men in here. And it's just calm them down. 
like the fellows who lost their buddy. I had these five men in the office and it was dark, gray, cold night. I put on music, made tea, lots of sugar in it, wrapped them in blankets and blah, blah, blah. And then start asking them about the trip and they're just staring into space. Their, their friend just drowned. Mm. But you've got to just keep them present, keep them uh, cognizant of what's going on around them so something doesn't happen to them. They weren't critical enough where shock would set in from hypothermia, but it was pretty severe till we got everything in place. For Michael, he says he understands the good fortune involved with how he met Nicole in the Boundary Waters, and he doesn't overlook the fact that it could have gone in an entirely different direction. You know, um, I've had experiences myself, you know, guiding and facilitating trips up there where we've been caught in terrible thunder lightning storms. And I've had to have my group split up on different islands and stand on their um, life jackets and call to each other. And that would last hours. And that's scary. You know, there's there's a creek that connects Lake Sag to Seagull. And that's something that um, I've canoed a few times, depending on the the water conditions and the level of the water. And the last time I went up, which would have been 2020, um, uh, with that group of college students, we, the water was rushing quite hard down that little Creek. And I went down first to check it out with some groups and, uh, with my group, um, in the canoe. And there was another group that followed me and hit the edge of my canoe, pulled my canoe underwater, got caught in the current and, uh, all of us fell out of the canoe and that could have been a really bad scenario where the canoe, you know, closed up on us and caught us underwater. And it happens. We've, we've seen canoes wrapped around rocks. It's like, it, it happens. Um, not necessarily on that Creek, but I've seen it and it, it's really scary. You just think about, okay, what happened here? You know, are, are people okay? Are they not okay? Um, so, so you gotta grace yourself with the knowledge that things like this can happen. Saginaw Lake is the favorite lake for many Boundary Waters paddlers. Sigurd Olson wrote and spoke fondly of Sag, observing it as among his most cherished locations across all of the canoe country wilderness. For Michael and Nicole, their relationship with Sag is perhaps symbolic of everything that the lake represents. Love, spirit, energy, and ultimately, respect. As Michael observes, even when it's love at first sight, the wilderness is always in charge. Yeah, you know, I, I think about that every time um, I go up, I, you know, on the, the ride up, I'm thinking about, okay, this is gonna be a great experience. I, I, I hope there's a lot of, you know, fun involved and, but it, it's a dangerous place. It, you know, it's out in the wilderness and we're at the mercy of mother nature. There you go, Matthew, a love story. Start out uh, the permitting season. <laughs> well, you know, I need some warm fuzzies right now because I'm not getting them from this dreary cold weather. Yeah, this is, uh, in addition to the, we're still out here on the frozen Boundary Waters Lake. Uh, the permitting season starts this weekend, May 1st, and it's frozen lake, snow on top, portage with feet of snow, and it's overcast, kind of wet, cold dreary 
Gosh, a fire would be nice, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be real nice. I mean, if you would have brought a tip up, well, yeah, I guess we can't do that yet. Yeah, not till the opener, which is two, you know, it'll be less than two weeks from when you're hearing this, potentially a lot sooner, depending when you get to this episode. Matthew, we referenced the fact we've got a permit for the 13th. That's the day before the opener. Uh, Kevin the K-Man Kramer is going to be stomping around. He's anxious. You're anxious. I'm anxious. I mean, it's... I was out at a local establishment last night, and everywhere my ear drifted, it was talk of ice, water, flows, rivers, lakes. I mean, it's on everybody's mind. Fishing. Well, indeed, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's beautiful. It's wild. It's, it's all of this stuff molded into one, just like today's episode. It fits in mm. all these different themes. It's still, we're still out here in the boundary waters and what a gift that is, but we need to be safe when we look toward the opener. These conditions today, Matthew, we've got the 28 inches of ice that we drilled through and you measured. That can change. There's rain in the forecast in early May here in the boundary waters area, so a lot of it's up in the air. Let the great unknown sweep us away. Now give me that auger! Get out of here! I got trouble! You back off, Frederick! (laughs) (laughs) That's really scary. (laughs) I think shark. I just sing when I paddle. Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true. We're gonna get through to the other side. Out in the night, the waves beat the shore. You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar. Rule me, rock me in my dreams. You can roll me, rock me in my dreams. So I like to sing, I love to dance. I play the fool if I got the chance. All around the campfire light. All around. Campfire light all round, all round, all round. The campfire light.